Welcome to Humoranities with Sephora. Earlier this year, we sat down as a family to figure out our travel priorities because we're running out of time. Not in a dramatic way. What I mean is that after a pandemic, which foiled lots of plans, we looked at our bucket list of family trips we want to take. When we took realities into consideration, I'm getting older, my husband is getting older, and our teenager will be off to college before we know it. It's important for us to be physically capable of going down unbeaten paths and for our kids to have these epic opportunities with us before internships take over our summers. Very simply, I want us to go on as many family adventures as possible before my agility wears out and our kids tune us out. So we took a family vote and the result was unanimous. Our family vacation is to, drum roll, yup, you guessed it, South Korea. Korea has been on our minds for a while now. We've spent a handful of years dedicated to K-dramas, K-pop, and Korean language lessons. So here we are, headed to the source of all things K. We've not only enjoyed Korean culture through its more popular art forms, we've also ventured out and attended various events, from celebrating the Lunar New Year, to enjoying a Hallyu festival, to getting ourselves to live concerts, and to seeing traditional and modern art exhibits. We've done our fair share of learning about Korean history too, with even my younger daughter preparing a presentation with her Girl Scout troop on South Korea for the annual World Thinking Day event. We've hit up a good number of Korean restaurants with friends, but we've also taken time to prepare and eat Korean food. Our family dinners have involved relating Korean customs and traditions to our own South Asian culture. I mean, we have been fully invested in our exploration, and now it's just a matter of actually being there, in real life. While my older daughter is excited now, at first she freaked out about going to South Korea. She felt her language skills were wholly inadequate for this journey, but I told her not to underestimate herself. Also, I need her to be pumped because we need at least one person among us to understand what's going on when we're there. No pressure, right? Here she is, a kid who first began studying Korean on her own during a pandemic because she liked the sound of it. Then, to supplement her self-study, we found some online classes for her to enroll in. Ms. Bond, her first teacher, had a huge influence on her. A math teacher by profession and a non-native speaker, each week, Ms. Bond's lessons broke Korean down into formulas. Her authentic passion for the language and culture came through clearly in her pronunciation and the lesson topics. Ms. Bond had achieved the highest level of Korean language proficiency and thus found a position at a university in South Korea. Sadly, my daughter's lessons had to stop because of the time difference. I got online and managed to find my daughter an advanced Korean class through the local Korean Cultural Center. The class fulfilled a key part of language learning, to experience the joy of it by being able to practice and communicate with peers. She, of course, was the youngest of the bunch. Most of the other students were young professionals and business leaders developing their language skills for work and their careers. Fortunately, this group of adults found my daughter charming, and they were incredibly encouraging of her. 
She had a really great time. Once the Korean Cultural Center course wrapped and in-person school began, my daughter started taking Korean as an academic subject through school. But because this class included children from across the county, it was conducted online. In the high school level course, most kids in class were being forced to learn Korean because of their parents, so their lack of interest was palpable and they participated reluctantly. I can validate my daughter's experience. I had to attend the first class as a parent. As the students introduced themselves, one after another said, my parents are making me take this class in the most unenthusiastic way while their parents looked on giving them the side eye. But I get it. Sometimes learning a language isn't your jam, regardless of the language, and the experience can be made worse by the language being forced upon you. And I totally understand and respect these parents and their intentions, because I'm that parent too. While my daughter was studying Korean, I had previously enrolled her in classes related to my parents' native tongue, because it's important to me that she not just hear it, but that she also learn to read it and speak it properly. I mean, I remember telling my dad, her grandfather, that his granddaughter was learning Korean, and he was pretty surprised. Luckily, he realized I'd already covered the basics when it came to her South Asian enculturation. Otherwise, I'd have gotten the side eye as his kid, too. Anyway, in her Korean class, my daughter ended up being called upon the most by the teacher because her engagement was reliable. But we all know what it's like when you become that kid in class. It was a total mood kill for her. After a couple of years of learning Korean and voting to go to South Korea for a vacation, my daughter started to hint that maybe she didn't want to travel there after all. With her busy high school schedule, time for independent study of Korean was stifled and time to watch K-dramas didn't exist. So naturally, she felt pretty unsure of herself and the idea of going abroad seemed overwhelming. I had to remind her that with language study, the point of learning is to explore other regions in the world and to allow yourself the ability to move fluidly within the cultures in which it's spoken. Immersion is always critical if you want to develop in leaps and bounds. To help build her confidence, and frankly, to bring back some of the joy into language study, I found a Korean tutor for her. This way, she could learn in greater depth, be less self-conscious about her speaking, and not hide her natural enthusiasm all with the hope that she'd be prepped and psyched for our family trip. It worked. On a side note, I took a couple of Korean language classes too. My inspiration to study Korean partially came from a book I'd read. Some time ago, my book club chose a piece geared toward children. It was titled Song for a Whale by Lynn Kelly. In this book, the father of a young deaf child never learns American Sign Language to be able to communicate with her. Without him knowing her language, she felt misunderstood and there were major misunderstandings. The book moved me and while reading it, I kept thinking about how I can't imagine not learning the language in which my child communicates, given that we live in a world where it's hard enough to communicate even when you do speak the same language. So the book inspired me to try to familiarize myself with something my daughter loves, and I wanted to understand her challenges as she studied Korean. 
and experience reminded me that if I have a different personality in each of the languages I speak, my daughter will likely develop and have a unique personality when she expresses herself in Korean, and I want to know and understand that person too. Romantic notions aside, well, while I tried my best, I had to stop my lessons because life got in the way. And Korean is hard, so hard. It is otherworldly for me in many ways. Why is that? Well, I speak English, Urdu, and Hindi. I grew up studying and hearing those languages along with Spanish and Arabic. All of them have been very helpful to me because so many huge populations and countries speak them, and they're connected to other languages as well. For example, if I find myself in any country where a romance language is spoken, I can often figure out what's going on based on my experience with Spanish. If I find myself in a country at the crossroads of multiple cultures, such as Turkey, I will understand the words related to both Arabic and Urdu. If I'm in a country that uses a Romanized script, I can sometimes figure out what the signs mean. And when I'm in a country where the language uses letters from Arabic, there is a comfort in at least knowing the sounds associated with those letters. But Korean? Wow! While I learned to read Hangul, the Korean alphabet, which has a cool history in and of itself, I have no frame of reference for this language. I have no sense of the etymology of words to form immediate connections in my brain because I've never been exposed to East Asian languages in any significant way, which leads to the natural result that my daughter also has no frame of reference for this language but she's still at it when it comes to her study, and I'm really proud of her. Let's see what happens when we're in Korea and she's immersed in it. I think she's going to have a blast. Let's see what happens to me when I'm immersed in it and there are no K-drama subtitles to guide me. At the end of the day, while language gives you a better access to understanding another culture, the most important part of any culture are the people who share it with you. I have a really good feeling South Korea is going to be very welcoming, and I can't wait for us to experience it firsthand. Thank you for listening to Humoranities. Enjoying the podcast? Please take a moment to rate it. And for more musings, visit humoranities.com and be sure to follow on all social media platforms.